The Outline, World Dispatch. It's Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on The Dispatch. And Derek Gaillot is here with Project Runway and Fast Fashion. Honestly, the show is not really for people who are in the know about fashion. And Adrian Jeffries asks, does Google think the Earth is flat? Google was totally unaware of the new resurgence of the flat earth conspiracy theory. Here's the dispatch. Culture. In fashion, you're either in or you're out. And Project Runway has been out of my conscious for quite some time. But (laughs) our staff writer and Derek Gaillot has written a piece that's got me thinking about it again. What's up, man? Hey, Aaron. So there's some new stuff happening on this latest season of Project Runway. Yes. Well, um, Project Runway has done a few new things this season. First of all, they're including models of all different sizes, not just size tier whatever. This season, you will be working with models of all sizes. These stunning women range in size from 2 to 22. These girls, they have curves and butts and hips and all kinds of good stuff. And the models are rotating between the designers. A lot of, there's a lot of conversation around making clothes in different sizes. I'm super nervous, I'm scared. Um, I've never even made women's clothes. And now I might have to work with a plus size model, you know. And the designers who whine about making clothes for bigger people are just like getting scolded by Nina Garcia. So that's really nice. The retail partner for Project Runway this year is JCPenney, which, you know, whatever. Um, JCPenney, <laughs> haven't heard of them for a while. That's interesting. They also sponsored a challenge in a recent episode where the prize was having the winning look for sale online the day after the episode aired. The winning look will be produced and sold at selected JCPenney stores and on jcpenney.com tonight, right after the show. Isn't that exciting? And while this isn't the first time that Project Runway has done this, they're taking it to the next level by making winning looks available the next day after every episode in Project Runway All-Stars, which is an upcoming season. They are essentially trying to get into the fast fashion industry with the likes of H&M and Zara, who are totally beating them out in the business world. Um, So that's like a big issue in fashion, fast fashion, that Project Runway is not talking about. To zoom out a little bit, fast fashion is the concept that designers will debut their looks on a runway or in a catalog or somewhere, and that fashion will be almost immediately available in a store like H&M or like JCPenney. And you talk about in your story about how this is detrimental because behind the scenes, this actually creates a lot of bad working conditions for people who actually have to make the clothes and live live up to the demand. Yes, exactly. Like fast fashion has come under fire for a lot of different terrible things. One is pirating independent designers' designs. So that's, you know, particularly important to the people who try to get on the show and who are on the show. But um, I, in my article, I focus mostly on the people who produce the clothes that go into stores like JCPenney and H&M. Um, fast fashion has been responsible for um, encouraging really terrible labor practices in places like Bangladesh and Cambodia and in North America and South America as well. And exposure to um, toxic chemicals and dyes, inadequate um, access to 
breaks and water and food. So a lot of really terrible things go into creating fast fashion, um, which aren't touched on in the show. I haven't watched Project Runway since I was a kid, I think. But one thing that I think that I've noticed is, you know, back in the day, this show was definitely more tailored to high fashion. It was, you know, these very exclusive uh, stores and brands and designers that were paying attention to it. And now it seems like it's leading into sort of a more everyman's representation of what fashion is. And is that fair to say? And is this like an indicative indicative of how Project Runaway is trying to reinvent itself or change what people view it as? Yeah, I think that observation is exactly right. For instance, its first partner was Lord & Taylor, which is a high-end department store. It's since partnered with brands like um, Avon Cosmetics and Macy's, JustFab.com. Over the years, it's definitely tried to partner with brands that are more accessible to people who might watch the show. Because honestly, the show is not really for people who are in the know about fashion. Every time I talk to someone who is really into fashion, a designer or something, I always ask them if they've seen the show, and usually they haven't. So I watched this documentary a while ago called The September Issue, one of my favorite movies, and it's about how the September issue of Vogue comes together, and there's a scene in it where Anna Wintour is sitting at a table with a bunch of department store heads, like the CEO guys who are running the supply and demand chain for the things that are being put in vogue. Well, let me touch on something that uh, may be out of your purview, but maybe you can also help us. And one thing that stood out to me was, I forget who exactly says it to her, but one of the department guys leans over to Anna and says, you know, people really want the stuff that you're putting in your magazine. Like the second you put a designer on those pages, people are begging to buy it immediately. And you know, Fashion is fun, and we all love it, and that's what drives it. But without the goods, without the goods, and the ads in your magazines are fabulous. And I know you'll look like a telephone book this year, but <laughs> um, we, we gotta—you've gotta help us with this. So, I guess my question to you, Anne, is where do you see this going? Do you think that more places are going to actually be held accountable for how they handle this? Like, there are a lot of places that I feel like eventually come under fire about how they handle fast fashion. Um, that's a really tough question. I'm, I'm not really sure if there's an end in sight. It seems unlikely because like they were talking about in the documentary and like Elizabeth L. Klein talks about in her book, Overdressed, about fast fashion, the demand is so high. Um, people are, know about high fashion and designers now through shows that she mentions like Project Runway and, um, Sex in the City. So it's hard to say if, these places will be held accountable. I think the thing that will really make them change is consumers' buying habits changing. Project Runway seems like one of these shows, in addition to a number of other um, brands and groups that have been really making a lot of strides to expand representation in fashion and who it's for and who can see themselves in certain clothes. And that seems really important to me. Yeah, and I think that Project Runway has played a huge part in that and just inspiring people to demand fashion be more accessible and just showing them that it can be. Like I was talking about before, its inclusion of plus-size models, models of all different sizes, is really, really great. Its inclusion of diverse designers is really amazing. And I think even just showing the personalities 
behind the designs has shown people how inclusive the fashion world can be. Um, so that also, though, feeds has fed into the demand for fast fashion. So it's not obviously Project Runway's fault, but there are a lot of great things that are on the show. And it's just like a really fun show to watch. And thanks so much for chatting with me about Project Runway and fashion and everything like that. Please continue to serve looks. Thanks, Aaron. You too. I'm here with Adrian Jeffries, senior editor at The Outline, who has been doing some really interesting coverage about Google and all the stupid things that it does. So she has a story about a new ad where Google asks more dumb questions. Yes. What's up, Adrian? Google has an ad out for the new Pixel 2, and I think it's being broadcast pretty heavily. But it's a minute long, and the basic premise is... Google is a company built on questions. What happens when you question everything? You get fabulous smartphones that break the limits of what you thought smartphones could do. And the reason this ad jumped out at me was because the first question in the ad that Google presents as an example of, like, challenging conventional thinking is the earth is flat, question mark. And the reason that caught my attention was because we did this whole story about how Google tries to answer questions like that and often gets them wrong. And one of the questions it got wrong back in March when we did this piece was, is Earth flat? And Google pulled this answer that said, yeah, the, the Earth is flat. According to Metro, our planet isn't a sphere, but instead a sort of pancake thing. So it starts with, the Earth is flat. The Earth is flat? And then it says, searching is hard. Searching is hard. We're lost. We're lost. Oh, God, that sounds incredibly corny. We can't all be famous. We can't all be famous. Cars need drivers. Oh, my God, please. Cars need drivers. (laughs) So what if a company built on questions questioned this? Amazing. Smartphones can't get any smarter. Smartphones can't get any smarter. And this goes on for it goes on. a minute. My guess is that Google was totally unaware of the new um, resurgence of the flat earth conspiracy theory and was kind of going back to an older connotation of that question, which is like, oh, at one time people thought the earth was flat. And right. then some very forward looking thinkers changed that for everyone. It's not just about the fact that Google is posing this particular question. You tied it back to a larger issue with how Google is positioning itself with regards to facts in general and how. Yeah, we're in kind of phase two of what Google thinks of itself and its value. Early Google was about being a reference tool. You would ask a question like, is the earth flat? And Google would say, here are 10 links on the first page and many pages after of information that is related to this question. More recently, Google has tried to answer that question in a straightforward way and just say, yes, the Earth is flat, or no, the Earth is not flat. 
And the reason it's doing that is because people are doing more and more search queries on their phones. And when you're on your phone, you're less inclined to look through pages and pages of links. The other reason it's doing that is because voice assistants like Siri and Google Home are getting more popular and people don't want to say, okay, Google, is the earth flat? And have Google say, here are 10 links. The first link is to this. Would you like to click on it? The second link is to this. Would you like to click on it? It just doesn't work in voice. The problem is that they're just wrong so often. What all of these things do is try to cut down on the time that people spend getting to the right answer, which is very great and convenient when it's the right answer. But when it's the wrong answer, it's, I think, pretty bad. And I feel like, you know, taking the ad to task is one thing because it's, you know, it's an ad supposed to get you to think about the product and whatever. But there's obviously a bigger issue with, like, Google's optics. Right. I just thought, I just thought, I'm yeah, I mean, it's an ad. The ad is dumb. Ads are dumb. That's fine. But yeah. it was striking to me that Google chose this specific question. Right. Because for Google, they're, they're saying, like, conventional wisdom was that the earth was flat questioning that conventional wisdom led to this move forward and realization that the earth was round. But in more recent context, the conventional thinkers are the people who think the earth is round. Like (laughs) nowhere, no one thinks the earth is flat anymore. That's not conventional thinking. But even if they started it with the earth is round and made it a question like the earth is round, like that would still... That would be worse. Be stupid. Yeah. (laughs) It's like they should have stayed away from this completely. Yeah, they should have picked any of of the... infinite other right. things they could have picked. Anyway, I sent them an email and was like, hey, do you guys remember that very recently the Google search engine said that the Earth was flat? And they haven't responded. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. That's it for The Dispatch. If you're new to the show, we're here every morning, Monday through Thursday. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, everywhere. I'm Aaron Edwards. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories. 